1: Sam Pants Radio, Australia's coolest podcast network. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another, yes, another episode of All the Small Games, a podcast about indie games. For a second, I forgot what this podcast was about, but <laughs> at no point did I forget who this podcast is hosted with. My good friend Jonathan Valenzuela is here.
2: Levins, uh, it's so damn good to be back.
1: Yeah, so uh, we took a, a sabbatical, um, the The pressures of maintaining a weekly indie podcast, really getting to us man yeah so uh we uh we're, we're recording this podcast whenever we damn well please and i think aiming for like quarterly is, yeah is, pretty is much a good move, unless think. something really really rocks our socks in a way that a uh, few games do and i just like find john in the middle of the night and say, <laughs> it's time
2: <laughs> i just get shaken awake by Levins. i'm like does the baby need feeding he's like yes the podcast is our baby
1: um look you might be like, what are they re- hitting record for? Is it because uh John and Levins' favorite rapper from the early two thousands, Pusha T of the clips, has released a new album today? No oh, really? sadly. Yo dude, you gotta go you gotta go in. It's so good. Okay for- will- Pharrell did half the production and Kanye Ooh. did the other half. Okay. Excellent. Uh then uh another reason could be that our favorite uh TV show when we were teenage stoners. Uh, Teen Hunger Force is coming back with new online shorts uh, every single day of this week. Unfortunately, no. But any thoughts on those so far, John?
2: <laughs> um, I've been really enjoying the Aquadonk side pieces, as they're called. Great <laughs> That's name. What's called? Great name. Um, yeah, I just I, I followed Dave Willis, who's one of the guys behind Teen, and he just started posting the voice of Meatwood. Yeah, and I was like, "What is this?" And then watched the the first one, which was. The uh, the hand banana one, yeah, um, which was I, I think
1: one of the most quoted episodes for you and me when it oh, after definitely,
2: it aired. definitely definitely And uh, there's been three other ones that I've seen so far. They're all they're bringing back all the like old characters, which is great. The only it's one all, that kind of, it's yeah. all
1: enemies, right? It's all it's all villains,
2: pretty much. But I, I feel like any any character that wasn't Meatwad, Frylock, <laughs> and Master Shake were villains on that show. Carl, but yeah. But yeah, I think the 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 MCP Pants one kind of sucks, but that was always going to be the case because... Yeah, I'm, not, I'm no MC Chris fan. Yeah, the MCP Pants eps were always the worst in the actual show, but the uh, the other three have just been a delight, quite quite frankly.
1: Yeah, I'm very... I'm, I'm fingers crossed I think they have one more coming out this week and I'm hoping for Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past from the future.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was so glad they did a Moon and Nights one. I love the Moon and Nights. They're so ridiculous.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, no, nothing's better than cybernetic Christmas ghost from the, whatever I just yeah, said, sure. my favorite. thousands of years ago. <laughs> um, but hey, enough about that malarkey, because it is time to talk about the small games. Um, John and I have been playing, uh, well, look, I, I have to, I've, like, state of the, what is it, what's that, what, like, term? When you say state of the uh, current situation, I don't know, whatever. State of play. State of the, state of the Union. Yeah.
2: <laughs> whatever. Signs um, of the Times. Signs of the
1: Times, maybe. It's been a very loaded triple A year so far. Sure. Um, with Nintendo putting out my most anticipated game they're putting out this year, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. I've 100 percent of that. Um, I have been playing quite a lot of Elden Ring, uh, my first ever FromSoft game. I'm Holy about... shit,
2: really? Unexpected. Yeah, I'm like
1: i i I gave it a break because are other games that are far more my speed came out since, but I'm maybe like fifteen hours into Elden ring wow, <laughs> um,
2: this is very unexpected
1: it's i mean i I do love um you know games that are all about exploration, and that is definitely like what makes that game so special
2: sure sure
1: um but it is. Yeah, it's pretty hard <laughs> and like I I don't like how much choice it gives you. Like I think it gives you too much for me. Anyway. Interesting. Okay. But uh it's a it's a very special game. I'm glad I'm 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 playing it throughout the year. Does the um,
2: comparisons to stuff like Breath of the Wild hold up in terms of the exploration? Like um, Hey, I mean, yeah, here's a giant totally. land, go.
1: Yeah, you can go pretty much everywhere in this game. It doesn't have as much like physics based um, exploration, which was what made Breath of the Wild sure. so cool and unique. But uh, yeah, man. If, if honestly, I, I doubt you anyone would like physically d- hate this game. It's it's pretty special. Nice. Um, just obviously the difficult curve. Is, difficulty to curve is 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 a bit more significant than most other games. Sure. sure. Uh, Ghostwire Ghost Tokyo. Wire Tokyo. Mm-hmm. was just, just playing that then before we recorded. That is my sleeper hit of the year. Oh wow. It's a okay. First party uh PlayStation 5 game, or well, second party, I guess. It's a Bethesda produced uh game that's a oh, PlayStation 5 yeah. exclusive. So my theory is that no one's gonna talk about this game this year, but then when uh Bethesda's stuff just gets all settled up with Xbox, it'll be a Game Pass game and everyone will be like, Whoa, this game's incredible. Yeah, probably it's like if you like if you're a big dork for Japanese culture, especially like Japanese ghost culture, so like yokai and shit. Uh, it has that in spades. It's a very cool, cool first-person game. Um, I like that a lot, and awesome. uh, it pretty, it pretty much just feels like like a, uh, a walking simulator through a, a ghost adult Japan. It's great,
2: cool. I yeah, like the sound well, of
1: it. I, f- I feel like there's been a few more, but it's been a, a really, really insane year for for like you know major games. Whereas I feel like kind of similar to last year, maybe even the year before that. Like there haven't been too many high-profile indie games
2: yeah. so far. I was thinking in prep for this ep, I was thinking back on the first three months of the year and was like, there hasn't really been that much that I'm like, oh, shit, this is huge kind of thing. Like, there's been one or two, certainly. Hmm. I think there's there's a glut coming out over the next couple of weeks, like um, Trek to Yomi releases on the 5th of May, I think, or around there.
1: uh, That's going to be on... Uh, PlayStation and Xbox, and it's actually going to be Game Pass too, which is very
2: cool. Yeah, and I, I'll be talking about it this ep, because I got to play the preview of it. Um, uh, this, the The Stanley Parable, the the updated, reworked version of the Stanley Parable is out in like three days, I think.
1: Crazy. Yeah, awesome.
2: Looking forward to finally playing that on Switch, considering how long it's being teased for.
1: Um of course if you want to hear what that what we think of that game, we did an in depth episode on our Patreon uh, last year. Patreon.com slash all the small games if you want to check it out. <coughs> um but yeah, I feel like the next three months there aren't many like I mean, I apparently the next like true triple A game is like Saints Row in like August. Oh, God. Uh, and we ain't sure. touching that, but beyond like a couple of first party Nintendo games, there aren't many super high profile games. But there are tons of good indies, as you said. Trek to Yomi is the one I'm most excited about. Um, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. But I also can't wait to you have, to hear what you have to say about Tunic,
0: which yes. is a game
1: that uh, I have been playing on my Xbox. Um, I have to admit, I besides today, I have not been playing many video games over the last three weeks. Um, I got COVID yes. just before my birthday uh, at the start <laughs> of April, um, and uh, was I, like, I basically I like. like
2: the way you phrase that as you got it for your birthday is—I like to picture you unwrapping a present, and it's like the the flu from The Simpsons just flew out and up your nose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Bianca. Um,
1: I uh, I, I I decided to like stay away from my family. Um, so I lived in my office for a week. Um, where there are no consoles. Um, I, le- I left the Switch with the kids too, so they could play Kirby. Um and uh, I I played I've been playing a ton of old Kobe games that's been like my main focus for the year I've pl- I think I finished like thirteen Kobe games Good um boy. some most of them to hundred percent completion that's like the main thing like you know how, what have you been doing with your time since uh, not recording an indie game podcast every every week has been like I'm just been playing like just like games that make me truly happy and that is like old old Nintendo games I guess like I, I am what I am and that, is, that that's my that's my shit and I feel like that you know those old uh, Game Boy and NES and SNES Kirby games, they have got a lot in common to some of my favorite indie games from the last few years. So it's not too far from what I talk about on the podcast. It's, you know, very inventive, creative and fun uh, platformers, which, uh, you know, indie indie games have in spades. Um, but yeah, I, I, I had COVID, so was staying away from my TV for a week then. Then I went to um, Hobart with the family immediately after COVID. Um, and then... As soon as I got a negative result, um, and uh, and my separation from them all was, was all worthwhile because we could still go on a holiday, and uh, then I came back and it's just been two weeks of school holidays, so I haven't been able to play my my spooky spooky uh, Japanese ghost games uh, on sure. the, on the TV with the kids around. Uh, but Tunic. there's a couple of games in here. Tunic is is, yes. is definitely one of them. It's again that I, uh, I I've smashed maybe the, like the first three days it came out. It was all I was playing. Um, it's about a, it's about a fox and it's actually one of the, one of the games that the first games we talked about on on all the small games in like 2017 or
2: i want to say it was 2018 did we it was we went to PAX in 2018 right yeah that's right was yeah, it 2018 so we, sure. we both played the the demo at PAX in 2018 and um it was the same demo i played when i went to E3 in 2017 so this game's been in production for a long, long time. Like, for them to have gotten the demo where it was by 2017, that would have been probably another two years of work. So this is a game that's like six, seven years in production, essentially. And you think to yourself, like, this is a small game, you know, or it's, a, it's an independent game, like, is that really how long it would take? Having played a fair amount of this game, absolutely, like oh my God, this thing just, it unfolds and unfolds and unfolds in terms of like secrets and things you can do and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah, I, uh,
1: I I was kind of like, oh, cool, Tunic's coming out. It'll be so good to play a small indie game after playing uh, Elden Ring, which is a, ga- a a discovery-based game with an enormous map and a difficult combat system. And then Tunic is also a discovery-based game with an enormous map and a difficult combat system. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think in terms of maps, like, I wouldn't, compared to something like Elden Ring, it's not that big a map. I think it's just so, so riddled with, like, secret passages and Mm -hmm. little, like, you know, doors you can discover and all this other stuff that it winds up feeling really big.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah,
2: and that was that was before I discovered that you can fast travel in this game.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I'm sure like oh, this has been out for a month and a half now. But um, the the big kind of collectible in this game is uh, pages of a game manual uh, that you would have gotten alongside a NES game in the late '80s. Um, that kind of you know tells you how to play the game. But you're, you're kind of collecting these pieces out of order. Yeah, and you'll like I, I played for I mean I've been playing for like two hours. And collecting these things, I'm like, what the hell am I collecting these like random gems? And why is there a currency? What are you supposed to do with it? And then you pick up, then you pick up a page from the book booklet, and it's like, oh, this is how you upgrade your skills. And I was like, what? I could have been doing this the whole time.
2: Yeah,
1: there's so many moments like that. I feel like even when you like I'll discover a new area and I'll be like oh cool where does this path take me I can't wait to see the new thing that this part new place that this like you know path takes me and then you walk down the path and then you just exit out like the first area of the game in like a, a super easy to find like side passage and I was like what I could have come to this area this whole time yeah it's just yeah it's it's it really makes you feel like an idiot this game it's great
2: I I actually like I had that a number of times where it's just like the one for me is there's a secret path in kind of the starting area behind a waterfall. Mm-hmm. And just realizing that, I was like, oh shit, are you kidding me? This is like, I don't have to go the long way around anymore. This is amazing. Like, the fact that there are so many of those little moments in this game just really means that, like, each. Each kind of major, like, you, you fight your way through an area, so you have the satisfaction of that. And then you get that little dose of satisfaction of, like, oh, shit, there's a shortcut as well? Or, like, yeah, oh, I finally found the route to get to this, like, chest that I saw ages ago and I was never able to get to kind of thing. It just, there's so much delight involved in this game, in my opinion.
1: I'm so used to, like, it's it's very clearly influenced by Zelda and I've oh, played, hugely. you know, 20, 20 Zelda games in my time and so I'm very used to the language of that game. So, you know, ordinarily if, if you would find, like, a, a similar kind of secret path that you could always access from the beginning, there would be something blocking you. But the difference with this game is it's not blocking you. You just haven't realised that it's there yet.
2: Well, there's nothing, the 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 path in on your side there's nothing to suggest that there would be a path there. Yes, totally. It's only on the exit that you're like, oh, okay, cool, that's the thing. (laughs) Another thing worth mentioning, you talked about collecting the manual as well. One of the really interesting things is about 85, maybe 90% of the text in this game is not in English. Mm -hmm. It is in a completely made-up kind of runic alphabet sort of thing.
1: And I can't remember if, like, when we first played this at PAX... I feel like this actually had English in it because I remember like making a comment because the, the developer listened uh, to the, the, our episode talking about tunic, and he said that because I complained about not being able to cut the signs in half, yes, um, that he was going to add that feature. He's added that feature. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, I, I, I swear I remember like the, the signs being in English back then, but I might be misremembering.
2: It could it could entirely be. I mean, God knows. Like that would definitely extend the. Um the development time, having to come up with an entirely new approach to a written language and implement that. And I'm thankfully, like, I, I saw an article that, like, people on Reddit have cracked the language already. Oh, wow. I was
1: wondering how long that would take. That's crazy. Yeah.
2: And so there's even someone's put up, like, a website where you can trace in each of the glyphs and it translates it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used that. There was one one thing that I was like, what does this fucking thing say so i spent some time translating at work and it turns out it was a hint for like one of the things that you you discover is you collect more of the manual but there are like secret signs in the world that indicate like if you use the d-pad and press these directions on the d-pad in a certain order you like a, a chest will appear and you'll release a fairy and there's like 20 fairies in the world that you need to release or it will like a chest will appear with a secret treasure in it. There's a number of secret. Tre- There's just this game is so dense with like secrets and puzzles and all this kind of stuff that I just kept realizing. Like when I learned about the D-pad thing, I was just immediately ran back through the map looking for anything that I was like, "That's something I can use the D-pad for," sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's it's immediately comparable to Death's Door in that you're like a cute little animal with a sword in a very exploration based adventure, um, and discovery based adventure. However, I feel the discovery is way better than Death's Door in um for Tunic. I think Tunic's discovery yeah. is much better. Like um, and the way it it, it introduces you to secrets. Like Death's Door secrets were fun, but they were like it was just a matter of finding the right path. You can see the thing, just how do I get to it? That was kind yeah. of like the bulk of their secrets. Whereas the combat in Death's Door, I thought was perfect. And I think Tunic, like, I don't know, I, I may, maybe it gets better um, as you play more and more of it, but I'm not finding it anywhere near as satisfying um, as I did
2: I, Death Door. I will say this. I I am at that. How far are you in the game? Do you remember like the uh, last I'd be thing less you than, did? Less than six hours. Okay. So have you, did you have you picked up any of the keys or beaten any of the bosses yet?
1: Yeah, keys and maybe the first boss or something like that.
2: Yeah, right. I'm I'm a fair way into it. It's like all I've been playing lately. I'm obsessed with it. Whenever I'm at home and I have spare time, I'm on my Xbox. Um which I feel kind of terrible about because generally this is when my daughter's sleeping, and so Joe is like doing all these jobs that need to be taken care of, and I'm just sprawled on the couch playing Tunic. But I'm oh like, my God, I'm... you suck. <laughs> this is this is the only time I get to do this essentially, because <laughs> um, we've all like we've all been sick lately, and so I don't have my usual like. I'm gonna stay up two hours after Joe goes to bed and play games. Then I've been like, I need to go to bed really early so I can sleep and feel better. Um, but um, there is a there is like a, a turning point in the plot sort of thing where you like, you you fight a certain boss. There's a, a, a big old plot twist, which gives you access so, okay, to stop some... stop with
1: anything plot plot wise driven.
2: I'm not. I won't say anything plot wise, but it it gives you access to parts of the map that you weren't able to access before. And after you go through an absolutely fucking brutal fight in one part. You get an object that turns your dodge roll into a teleport. Oh, cool! So suddenly it's not that slow. Kind <laughs> of like, oh, I'm lurching out of the way. You can like zip around your enemies and absolutely make fools of them. That like, I was the same. I was, I was kind of like the combat on this isn't really selling me
1: the stamina stuff. Bef- like it's, before it's lousy. that point, yeah.
2: But after I got this teleport thing, I was like, okay, feeling it a lot better now. The, the dodge is a lot more zippy and I can position myself heaps better. So that kind of, that that really helped in terms of combat. But I definitely agree that for the most part, the combat in Death Store is a lot better than Tunic.
1: Cool. Well, I mean, I'm definitely going to play play way more of Tunic. Um, as we mentioned before, it is on Game Pass. I, my, my goal was to play... like my, The order of games in priority was Kirby. for some 100% of that, that's done. Um, although I am playing it now with my kids, so I probably will play that again. Um, and then uh, I was going to finish Ghostwire Tokyo, 100% it, then Tunic.
2: Nice. Get that
1: done. Will yeah. I 100% that? Almost. Very likely. Like It is a very, very special game. Yeah. And, uh, There's and two, we'll
2: ways, d- two ways to finish it as well, as I've discovered with all the manual pages I've collected.
1: That's awesome! Cool, yeah.
2: Which is interesting There's so many cool
1: secrets. Yeah, yeah that's exciting. Yeah, uh,
2: so uh, you know we got to we got to do the the info. It's uh, published by Finji, which is rad. Mm-hmm. Like Finji are a bit of a um, dark horse in the publishing world. They always just pop up with really good stuff. Like they did Overland and Night in the Woods. Um, uh, developed by it's a it's a single a single dude, Canadian indie developer Andrew Shuldice. Uh, I hope shold- he finds a partner. Scholdis, sh- may he um, find love. Yes, and uh, released on. It's currently console exclusive to Xbox, but from what I've seen, it's only a timed exclusive. So,
1: yeah this this game belongs on Switch.
2: Dare we, dare we dream about a Switch release one day? Yes, we got we
1: got Death Door on Switch. We did, so we did. Why not? I, why not Tunic too?
2: I wonder how long that time will be. So yeah, tu- Tunic is real strong contender on my game of the year list so far.
1: Awesome. Well, one uh, developer and publisher that shows up on our game of the year list when we record that episode at the end of each year or the beginning of each year, if we're late, um, uh, is Devolver Digital. And yes. they have released a couple of games this year um, that we have... Well, one of us has, or At least one of us has played all of them. Um, and that, that one of us is John. <laughs> right. Uh, so we've got... Weird West, uh-huh. Trek, to, Trek to Yomi, um, which comes out on the 5th of May, but you've uh-huh. played a preview of it. Uh, and then uh, there's also been a, a mobile game called Devolver Tumble Time, which I cannot wait to let everyone know about. Um, but I, do, you want, do you want to tell me about Weird West?
2: Nah, man, nah. Tumble Time. It's Tumble okay. Time, baby.
1: How much have you played of Tumble Time?
2: I played a little bit. I kind of got the the thrust <laughs> of it, and then... As as with games where it's like, you've used all your hearts, you now need to wait, like, 15 minutes to get a heart back kind of thing. I fell off fairly quick.
1: So, look, um, <coughs> maybe I haven't divulged this uh, information on this podcast before, but if you listen to hey Fam, you may know that I have somewhat of an addiction when it comes to, uh, like, I guess, what would you call them? match-three puzzle games? Yeah, um, yeah. And there have been multiple ones over the years that have just hooked me and ruined my life. Uh, in a big way. Uh, and I got a notification. It came up on Facebook of all places saying that, uh, Devolver tumble time was available to play a, like, like the pre-registered version of, uh, in Australia only. I think it's Australia and like maybe one or two other territories that they're, they're testing it out here. Um, it's a free game, um, where you play as like one of like basically every significant Devolver, uh, character you start with like the chicken from um uh, uh, Hotline Miami yeah um is is represented here you can you can play as you well, like you can yeah you you can play as them but it's just like this the, a circular version of their face uh shows up alongside other circular faces in like a big I mean, you've you've seen a match, you know, a, a Candy Crush esque uh, dome, and you have to match all of the faces of, of the same variety together. Um, it's different though. Usually, you would like connect three of them or swipe. With this one, you can uh, you basically Just... you hold down on yeah. on the face that you want to uh, remove from the from the from the the the, the screen, and everything every. Similar face that it's touching, it'll like re- branch out to and then they all explode and you get points. Uh, so you can be, you can wipe away like, you know, up to 20, 30 of them at once and you get more points for, for chaining more and more of them together. Um, as you um, get rid of your like multiple versions of your own character, you like a, a bar goes up and then you can use their special ability which in like the chicken from Hotline Miami's way, uh, case is uh, like a, a, a bloodied bat that swipes across the screen and, and takes out all of the uh, all the balls in its path. Um, it's really, really fun and funny and weird because this is a game that knows what it is and makes fun of you for playing it. <laughs> so you, yeah, you will kind of, you'll unlock enough Coins. This game also has, I think, six different currencies.
2: Yeah, that confused the hell out of me when I was playing it.
1: So, like, you know, there's like coins, but then there's also socks and triangles and squares and and other shapes that you have to have to unlock certain things in the game. And and like how much things cost, it'll it'll completely change that. You, oh no, you actually need 200 of this currency to buy this now, um, which is very funny. And then like when what all you can buy is. Um, like a gacha machine you crank the machine and a new character pops out and if you already have um more, like want that that character that you just unlocked um it levels up but when it levels up it says congratulations this does absolutely nothing yeah <laughs> <laughs> um there's also like cuz these games will often give you a daily challenge the challenges pop up in the way of uh, an email that you get from the head of Devolver, who is like this this cartoonish old man. What's his uh, name?
2: Fork Fork Parker or something?
1: Yeah, something like that. And uh, he'll like be like, "Oh man, something insane happened at the office. I'm gonna need for you to do this, this, and this." And then you like do like you know some of these tasks have taken me like twenty playthroughs of of, of the game, and then you finally complete the task, and he's and he doesn't give you anything. But he he tells you what your next the next thing he needs you to do is, um, like John said, this has like a heart system, but um, so like you know once you've played five games, you need to stop playing um or buy new hearts um to keep playing. But what is cool is that you can uh, pay like five bucks. Um, for unlimited hearts, so I did that instantly. Sure, um, just because I don't like, like, look, I know this game. Uh, it probably sounds to everyone like a piece of shit, um, and it kind of is, and it knows it is, but it's really funny. And you know, you're playing as characters from The Messenger, and Enter the Dungeon, and Heave Ho, and um, Minute, um, uh, Pikuniku, and even like Grie. Like the that she's like my favorite. Uh, that the the highest scores I get when I play with Gree
2: Oh damn! Um, What's her special?
1: Uh, just like she drops an enormous bomb in the in the middle of the uh, like you can wipe out the whole screen basically with her special.
2: Sure, just just like you did all the time in exactly. in the game itself.
1: Um, and uh, yeah, it it is really well made. It's funny and um and and colorful, and the music is fucking great has uh, it has two songs like a menu song and then the, and the song that plays when you're actually playing and they're both baggers. it's um, oh, so like just like real real great little earworms. Um this is the kind of game that if I was a Twitch streamer, I would just stream myself playing this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I um the, from what I've played because there is like on top of being able to purchase stuff, they do have monetization in the form of ads. So you can do like hey, you you like I think the one I ran into the most was like, you've almost beaten your high score, watch an ad to get 10 more seconds of gameplay yep. kind of thing. I just wish that... I, I did that a couple of times and it was always your like, hey, play this game that like, you know, you know those ridiculous ads where it's like, you need to get the gold and you need to pull bars out and it's like, oh, the yeah, guy yeah. drowned in the lava again. I wish that... Occasionally, you just get served an ad that is some kind of weird Devolver, like not like a fake ad from them. Essentially, yes, like, definitely that I That's think would point. be amazing if if you know. Not every time you did it, it was money in Devolver's pockets, but it was just to kind of deepen the sort of tone of voice and lore of Devolver kind of thing. Yeah, for real. I definitely, I definitely get the appeal when when you told me it was up and I was playing it. I kept thinking like. Is this an extension of Levins' addiction to Disney Sumsum?
1: That was the that was the worst of it. I, I put a lot of real life money into that and I have nothing to show for it. <laughs> um, but I have it's... told many, many stories about it on podcast since, so maybe it was worth it after all.
2: Uh, well, at least this game tells you up front you get nothing for this.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally.
2: Which good on it. Um look, I definitely like it's it's one of those games that I think if if you do like that match three format and it, it it scratches that itch really nicely. Even even though it's not that kind of like puzzling element of okay, but if I match this three, I can drop this and this will happen. It's more about like twitch reflex. Just keep keep getting those faces out of there, kind of thing. Keep building up. Um, you know, try to try to build your your special bar and earn the highest score possible. I think it's a perfectly enjoyable game. It's just it was yeah. You I, have to you I, have to like this kind of nonsense, yeah. and I do. I honestly like I have not played a game on my phone in so long. Yeah, right. For some for some reason that that part of my brain's just switched off now. I had like I had an I was like, "Oh man, cuz they announced the that new Monkey Island the other day." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, I'm going to go back and play the first two Monkey Island games. I've got them on my phone." And then when I went to look for them. Nope, they've been completely removed from iOS entirely
1: $30 well spent, John Valenzuela of the past Damn
2: it, yeah, pretty much Uh, But yeah, I was just like, oh, well, I really wanted to play those Now I can't think of something I wanted to play Ho-Home won't play anything Like, I don't know why, but my my brain's just turned off phone gaming But let
1: me guess, you're still paying for Apple Arcade You know it, baby (laughs) One day, Um, one day it'll pay off again The love of match three puzzles definitely runs deep in the Levin's genes because both of my kids play Zookeeper World every single day.
2: Oh, wow. That's wild. Yep. (laughs) Did you, are you still, you still churning your way through that?
1: Um, only because Archie is again, Archie's like well into the hundred, hundreds now. And the other day he was like, how far are you? And I checked and I'm at like 290 or something ridiculous. Oh, wow. Uh, that's how many levels I've done. I think that, but they've just kept adding since then. So there is like, you know, when I do get the itch to get real deep in that game again, there's plenty for me to do. Uh, again, like, you know, I, I, I know that it's a trash genre of game, but it can be done really well in Zookeeper oh, yeah, World. Totally. And, um, uh, Devolver Tumble Time uh, Are two great examples of this genre done well Um, But obviously Devolver better known for other games, John
2: Yeah, definitely Like, segue um, Weird West Uh, So Weird West is one of the kind of Bigger games that Devolver has released this Year Uh, It is by Oh man, I had a whole Page of research around here that's disappeared In a number of other windows, there we go Weird West is by uh, Wolf Eye Studios, uh, obviously published by Devolver. It's on PlayStation, Xbox One, and Windows. So it's a... How to put this? It's an isometric, like, twin-stick shooter-style game that is set in a, a kind of Wild West setting, but it's a Wild West setting that has a ton of supernatural elements in it. So, like, werewolves exist in this game. Um, you know, sirens. Uh, there are witches that use magic. Like there are, there are like surgically modified pigmen. Um, so while it is in this like very kind of cowboyish setting, you are running up, up against all this sort of stuff. And from a narrative point of view, the game kind of starts with you in this mysterious room, um, with these characters talking about you, about kind of a journey that you're going to go on, and then. Your consciousness essentially gets sent into somebody in the world. Initially, it is a, a bounty hunter called Jane Bell, whose um, whose whose child is killed and husband kidnapped by a, a like a, a group of cannibalistic criminals. Essentially, or well, they're not cannibals, but they're working for cannibals. Um, and so you set off on this journey to to kind of get your husband back, and all the while you have a brand on your neck. The brand on your neck doesn't actually do anything from a gameplay point of view. It's just a story kind of thing. So once you play through that story and you you finish, you know, you get your husband back, you then, the, you, the narrative returns you to that original room and they're like, okay, interesting what happened there. Let's try the next one. And so basically the narrative plays through you through a series of characters in the world. Uh, I think you start with the bounty hunter. Your next one is a pig man. Then you have a, um, a a sort of a member of a, a kind of First Nations inspired tribe in the game, a werewolf, and I think the last one is a witch. I'm up to the beginning of the witch one. Um, well, you've just, played a lot of this, huh? Yeah, I've played I've played the first four stories, and I really really appreciate the way they've constructed the narrative in the game. Like, I think it's really interesting to do this sort of, like, rather than playing the same character all the way through to the end, just have these kind of short vignettes um, that still give you a bit of freedom to kind of roam around and do your own thing. Um, I I think my, my reservations with this game, for the most part, come f- with, like, they come from the baggage that I bring to the game, essentially. Because, like the original two fallout games so like similarly isometric um games where you kind of it's all about like exploring a land and and stopping at points of interest and interacting with people and you know going on quests and that kind of thing they kind of represent the gold standard of how i view these sorts of games and going into weird west like off the bat one thing that i was like and again, I, I want to make this completely clear. This is my preference, not an actual genuine mm-hmm. um criticism of the game is I really wanted this to be turn-based. I just right. found myself so much like getting lost in the chaos of combat and not like not feeling like I was really being as effective as I could have if if it was turn-based, I could plan out my moves, I could use like I would definitely pay more attention to a lot of the special abilities that you're given in the game. You get like you can unlock weapon abilities and also abilities for your character themselves. So like with a revolver, you have a special ability where you can unload all six bullets from your gun into a single target. And it's a like it's a super useful ability when dealing with very high health enemies because if you've got a good revolver, you can immediately wipe a lot of them off. But a lot of the time, things were so chaotic that I forgot to use that ability. Um, Whereas if it was turn-based, I could be much more tactical about, like, okay, I can deploy this. Because you have action points in the combat, and action points is something that I think I'm so used to dealing with from a a turn-based point of view. Um, A lot of the time, I just kind of stealthed a bunch of areas, and it was really fun, in my mind, to, like, you kind of get a sense for how the enemies move through the area. Then you wait in a certain spot. And as they go to this, you know, as they approach like a, a fairly isolated part of the map, you swoop in, you choke them out, and then you drag their body. And like, by the end of some towns, I'd have like a little area behind a building with 20 knocked out people behind it, mm-hmm. which was always kind of fun to see. Um, so combat wise, yeah, there were. They talk a lot in the game about, like, hey, you can approach things as you want. Like, you can go in guns blazing or you can stealth it or you can, like, you might talk to people and find some information that will help you approach the situation in a different way. (coughs) I ran into a few instances where it was... I felt like they were railroading me into the type of encounter I was supposed to have because there was one like in the game you can you can hunt for bounties essentially as another way to earn money. I went chasing a bounty that was hidden in a mine and there were so many enemies packed in this mine there was no actual way to use stealth. Like you just had to go in guns blazing essentially. Mm-hmm. And I had to reload that one so many times cuz I just died and died and died. Obviously not being completely used to the combat. But then I I could think of two other instances in the game, two other missions. There's one mission where you have to infiltrate a brothel and you get a side mission on your way in from the person who lets you in, who's like, the, the reason you're going to the brothel is to find out information on the brothel owner because he's gone missing along with one of his girls. The woman that lets you into the brothel is like, oh, we hate the new owner can you kill him and make him look like an accident, please? But in order to do that, you're going to have to sneak through the entire brothel without being spotted once. If you get spotted, <laughs> it fails the side mission for you. The problem, which which is fine. I'm, I'm not a stranger to a stealth mission. But with a stealth mission... You're not mission, a stranger
1: to failing in a brothel.
2: Yeah, pretty... <laughs> oh, <laughs> this, this podcast is over, guys. Um... I'm not a stranger to a stealth mission, but I feel like if you're going to have a stealth mission, everything in the environment you're stealthing through has to kind of run like clockwork. So you can look at what's going on and look for those gaps and then exploit them. This one, it felt like all the enemies in the brothel were running on their own timetable. So it, it was just really, really hard to figure out... like. Oh, I should go now. Oh, no, I've been spotted because I failed to notice that one person was looking in my direction when, you know, everyone else should have been walking away by this point. So I, like, I managed to, after, like, 20 tries, finish that mission, and then you finish it and it goes, like, right, now sneak out of the brothel. And I was, like, open a window, jump out the window, Take take the fall damage and then just ran off and I was like <laughs> I don't I, like I don't care if that fails it I'm done here. There was definitely one other mission in a later one where it's like you need to go and get documents from uh, uh like someone's office in a large like hacienda star mansion, and even though the mansion <coughs> is filled with enemies, if you hurt any of them, it counts that as a crime. So I'm just like what am I supposed to do here like I so they are I, trying
1: they're trying to attack you
2: if they see you they attack you on site but if you attack back it's like you've committed a crime your reputation is going down like there's a reputation system in the game as well um, so there was just uh, it's it's weird things where I'm like uh, is this a bug? Is it, is, is it a bug is it poor level design? I like to giving the developers the benefit of the doubt I like to think it's poor level design. Um, there are some other gripes I have like the weapons that you get in the game there's not a lot of variety in terms of like there's two types of revolver, two types of shotgun, two types of rifle, two types of bow. you can upgrade these three times using a variety of like you know bronze, silver and gold nu- gold nuggets that you find around. I just wanted one extra layer of, of um of customization of like, hey, you put this thing on your gun, it now does fire damage. Or you put this thing on your gun and it has lightning rounds now. Like I just wished there was one more layer of complexity rather than like, oh, I have my I've upgraded my gun to the top. There's nothing else nothing that will benefit me with this gun. I just that's the amount of damage I'm doing and that's it kind of thing, which I've sure. found a bit frustrating. One thing that I really liked actually <coughs> while I'm while I'm being a, a pissy bitch about this game one thing I <laughs> did really like is whenever you start a new story you can go and find the person who you played in your previous story and bring them onto your group like you can form a posse essentially with two other characters so you can go and find the person you played last time, and they have all the upgraded equipment that you gave them from the last one. Like, it doesn't wipe their equipment. They've got everything. They've got all the, like, the the precious ore that you've mined, all the healing potions, all the guns, all etc., etc. So it was just really useful to, like, when you start your new character with nothing, the first thing you do is go and find the last person, or whoever you liked from the last stories you played, recruit them and then bang you've immediately got like all the best guns tons of like healing potions and all that kind of stuff really helps and and also they're like accomplished fighters so you don't have with each starting fresh with each new story you never have that feeling of like oh man i've got to like do this all from the bottom again you're like cool i've got this guy on my side so i'm i'm automatically kind of kicking ass from the get-go Um, Trying to think if there's anything else The side quests could be so much better So many times they'd be like Oh, there's a side quest And it's just like Hey, go get medicine from this place And bring it there for $40 And I'm like, okay It's just fetch questy stuff Which is nice when I'm low on money But boy, it gets boring quick Um, So look, I, I definitely think It's on Game Pass Give it a bell um, I th- like I said, I really love the story. I love the setting. They have a huge roadmap worked out for what they're going to do with the game in the future. Um, there's going to be all kinds of special events for it. So I think it's one of those games that, like, it will grow over time and just become better and better. Great. Yeah. And that is Weird West.
1: Awesome. That's cool. Um, so let's uh let's quick take a quick trek to Yomi. Um, you you played the preview version of this game, which is coming out. Uh, on the 5th of, of May yep. uh, on PlayStation and Xbox and PC, I think.
2: Yes. Um,
1: are you allowed to talk about it?
2: I am. Oh, Jesus. I'm pretty sure I'm allowed to talk about the preview of it. Okay. Um, I I know the embargo um, for the... Yeah. Because embargo- yeah, <laughs> f- yeah.
1: um, <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk about it, so I would love to hear your thoughts.
2: Uh, streaming an embargo for the preview is March 19th. Hell yes. So obviously I played this a fair while ago. So the preview of this is the kind of the first two chapters of the game. Um, you, you sort of initially play as a young boy who's training to be a samurai when your, your village is attacked. And so you kind of fight your way through the village, taking out people until you get to like the climactic scene where your sensei is killed. And this sets you down the path of, like, I will be the strong, protective person of this town. And then the second one is, like, dealing with, I think, a, a new villain that's arisen. It is... I have never played a game that is so cinematic. Like, awesome. Like, it, it, it does, like...
1: John, how many Akira Kurosawa movies have you
2: watched? <laughs> uh, does Trek to Yomi count? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shrek to Yomi. Shrek to Yomi. Now there is a mod that I would like to see. Look, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not necessarily the most well versed person on Japanese cinema or classic Japanese cinema, as it were. But it's just like you play games that have fixed camera angles. I'm thinking very obviously of like, you know, your your sort of some of your early Mario 3D games, your Resident Evil games, etc., etc., and Trek to Yomi operates with a fixed camera as well, but you can tell that they're op- the, the fixed camera, the thought behind it is, how would we shoot this as a movie? Not like, what, what should the camera be for gameplay? It kind of fits the gameplay to the camera, like, to how it would be shot movie-wise. So you'll have periods where the camera is scrolling to the side as you, like, fight... You know you i guess it's platformy kind of in that those that sense where it's like you're running along and enemies are attacking you and you take them out but then there'll be other times where it's like a static shot of like from above of the village and you see your character kind of moving its way through and it really does feel like oh wow this is this is i'm i'm watching a, a movie that i'm essentially acting in here um I struggled with the combat to begin with, but that's because I've come to realise that I have an issue where any time I play a game that has combat, I just button mash to begin with. <laughs> like, I always... Every new game, the part of my brain that re- that thinks, like, combat should have nuance just disappears. And I'm just like, hammer and they'll die, hammer it and they'll die. Once I kind of got into the rhythm of of the combat and knowing, like oh, I can do certain types of strikes. So I can do like an up slash and then a down slash or I can thrust and stab. I can do this kind of thing. And then learning how your enemies telegraph their attacks and how you can kind of like head them off at the pass and do damage first and that kind of thing. Once I got the nuance of the combat down, it, I, can th- I can think of one part where I'm like fighting my way across a log that's fallen across a, a, a kind of chasm thing. And three dudes ran onto the log, and I just carved through them without blinking. And it felt so fucking cool. Like there are so many when when you get the combat right, it feels awesome in this game. Um, you know, because suddenly, like two two really kind of minimalist swipes with a katana, and suddenly your enemy is like Bleh! and kind of flying off the screen with blood, yeah, I'm, I'm blood hoping, splashing everywhere.
1: I'm hoping this game has my favorite anime trope where. <laughs> Or like samurai movie trope where all you see is the swordsman take his, um, take like the hilt of his sword out for like a split second and put it back in, and then they fall back. Everyone falls like gets cut in half, you know. That's my favorite shit. Um, so this game, obviously being published by Devolver, it, um, has been developed by, um, Wild uh, Flying Hog. Yeah, who are they've been developing it with the director Leonard Menciari, who is most famous for one of our favorite games of a couple of years ago, The Eternal Castle remastered.
2: Ah, uh, yes.
1: <clears throat> um. So yeah, I'm, I'm. I really love what he does. Um. He's been sharing a lot of other samurai games on his Twitter. Um. In the lead up to Trek to Yomi, um. He seems like a real cool dude. Um. Flying Wild Hog. Uh, are Most best known for is it the what the, the the Shadow
2: Warrior reboots.
1: Yep. Uh, they're from Poland, but like, you know, Shadow Warrior, while not being strictly our kind of game, uh, they, they are good looking games and it's yeah. cool that they were able to kind of, uh, I guess, lend their skills with and technology to uh, Leonard to kind of make Trek to Yomi look as cinematic as possible. It's awesome.
2: Yeah. I can't, I can't, have you, I can't wait, wait, have you played some of this?
1: Um, I'll tell you um, next time we record.
2: <laughs> sure. Well then, I can't wait for you to play some of this because it it's so good. Like, there's so many secrets and collectibles to look into. I just I had such a great time playing the preview. I the lighting
1: the lighting looks fantastic. I mean, you, you should go watch this trailer if you haven't seen it yet. It's it's incredible.
2: And I don't think the preview didn't even cover like the the bulk of the gameplay, which, based on what I've read, is like. Yomi is like the afterlife essentially Or related to the afterlife in some way So I know there's there's probably the next chapter after the preview finished There's going to be like a wild twist And then things are going to get bonkers So god I am looking forward to early May Can't wait to get my sink my teeth into this one
1: Unreal Levins, So that, that's I the, I feel, the Devolver glut
2: Yes, I feel like I've been talking forever man What, what You're right, games we should hear
1: have? a word from our sponsor True Thanks, sponsor. Now, what were you saying, John?
2: Levens, hit me with a game you've played, buddy. What have you been playing?
1: Oh, what else is on my list? Should we talk about Infernax?
2: Yeah, let's talk Infernax.
1: <coughs> uh, so the next few reviews, I imagine, are going to be a bit a bit faster. Um, Infernax Sorry. is. Well, what have you? Oh no no no! no God no no! It's in like Tunic and and Devolver, like you know that that's that that shit that we are uh, sure. that bread and butter, baby. Yeah, that's my bread and butter. You're fucking with, um, so. uh... Infernex is a game that... W- I also came to Game Pass. Uh, game Pass has been fucking awesome this year, by the way. I feel like almost every indie game that I've been interested in playing has just shown up there unexpectedly. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, infernex is a... Um, uh, b- uh, it's been developed by Berserk Studio, not to be confused with the excellent um, manga, um, and published by the Arcade Crew and Dotemu. Dot- Dot- um, yeah. And uh, it is like a action adventure game in the, that harkens back to classic Castlevania games. You play like a, a a grizzled warrior with a sword who comes to a town that has been blighted by monsters, and uh, you you know make your way through a, 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 a sea of monsters. You come to a castle, and they need your help as a warrior. You need to save. You need to rid the rid the world of monsters. Um, it's a you know <clears throat> left to right platformer. Um, but like with a little bit of exploration, um, and uh, it has a very cool mechanic where you can play this like a um, classic Castlevania game, where when you die, you 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 just get thrown back to um, you lose all your progress, you go back to your um, the the last save point, um, and then you have to make your way back to uh, where where you last died. I can't remember, does it have that mechanic that like Souls games and Holy Knight has, where you have to retrieve your money? I'd- Is that a thing?
2: No, I don't think it does. It just it kicks you back to where you were and you've got to go and start earning again essentially. Yeah,
1: but it so that's classic mode and then it also has um like I uh, I don't know what 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 the name of the new the other mode is. Casual. Casual mode where you just keep you lose a little bit of your money and you keep playing um from from the point that you died. Um, and this is a game that will test uh, how stubborn of a gamer you are. Um, and when it comes to these kind of games, I'm extremely stubborn. So I'm—I I think I'm like actually quite close to the end of this game, even though I've not played it in over a month. Um, I've beaten maybe like three or four bosses, and I think I've seen almost everything the map has to show you. Um, but I've—I ne- haven't—I haven't gone to casual mode. I refuse to. I will just like keep pushing through and through again. The thing about this game is, is the boss every- fights. Every They're not particularly you, difficult.
2: Every time you die, it gives you the option, if you're in classic mode, to switch to casual, but gives you the warning of once you switch to casual, you can't switch back to classic. Yeah. So that's where the stubbornness comes in because I've been, I've been, play, I'm nowhere near as far as you in this game, but that like that whole once you once you switch it off, you can't go back. I was like, mm, fuck you, man. I ain't not switch it off. I'm gonna stick with classic, even though I'm, you know, this is killing me. The mode of this game.
1: Yeah, so I don't find the boss fights in this particularly difficult, but it's the platforming to get to the boss fights um, that will really test you. <clears throat> and there are. There's a lot of, like, you know, you, you can grind through this and, and make yourself really strong, but then it also has this, like like the worst mechanic of the old Castlevania games is, is a, a monster will jump out from down below as you are jumping and bump bump into you and there's knockback from the monster hitting you and you'll just fall to your death and then yeah. it's just game over. Now this game has that, which is like one of my least favorite things of one of my favorite genres, uh, but whatever, it's trying to be as faithful to that as possible. Um, so there is a lot of that bullshit in its platforming. Um, there's a lot of lava pits, there's a lot of slime pits. Um, it is just a lot of pits in general, um, but this game is not the pits. It's a good time. It looks great. The uh, enemy design, especially the boss design, is really great. Um, pixel art all the way through is gorgeous, and I love that it. There's like two paths you can take. You can you get given a bunch of like uh, missions, side missions where you can either help that person or you can fuck that person over or someone will like tell you, hey, do you want to do this evil thing? And you can either say no or yes. And there's like, so yeah, you can be evil or good in this game. Um, and I think at this point, I'm somewhere in between. So I don't know what kind of ending I'm going to get. <coughs> but um, I'm having a really good time, really good time with it. Again, it's another game where it's like, if you have Game Pass and you like retro games, this is a killer, um, you know, coder to, uh, to a to a to the, to the way games was. One
2: uh, one element that i really liked about it was you There are essentially unique death animations for each oh yeah each and way you gory die as hell like they get yeah, they're super gory but it's like it it it's not just like the monster kills you it shows you dying like it'll have a specific the monster killing you in a particular way and some of them are like super brutal there is actually, there's like a warning up the top of the game that's like, hey, this gets pretty gory. That cool? Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, sweet. Thanks, dudes.
1: Yeah, um, the uh, the the dudes who made this game are, are a little bit epic bacon and that comes yeah. through into the game, but it's funny. It's not, yeah. yeah, it's, it's you know, it's about as dumb as Broforce was, you know. Sure. But not um, quite as witty.
2: I'm, yeah, I made it nowhere near as far as you did in this game. The, uh, I think the platforming just got to me. <laughs> um real real hard because like to kill bosses you need to like you go into castles to kill bosses and they all follow roughly the same structure which is you need to explore the castle until you collect two keys um or a, a certain number of keys and then once you've done that you can make your way to where the boss is i would like because i would invariably die after collecting the keys and then trying to make it to the boss what I would do is get the keys, get out of the castle, save the game when I have the keys, and then it means I can just run straight for the boss, as opposed mm-hmm. to having to fuck around with getting Super the normal. keys again. Yeah, um, yeah. I just reached a point where I'm like, I die during the platforming parts of these every time. I, <laughs> I think I have less patience for these kind of games than Levin's does. I think my time with it is over. Wop, 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 wop.
1: Well, what were you playing instead, John?
2: Uh, probably the long dark survival mode, which has been like my version this is of not you, on your list, John. <laughs> my version of you playing Kirby. Um, what else? Oh yeah, I, w- gonna... I
1: wonder who gets more notifications for the other one playing, uh, either game.
2: Yeah. Um.
1: You, you have, like, the long dark is the only game that I see you play on Switch.
2: I just, I feel like nothing really good has come out on Switch lately. Like, with the exception of Nobody Saves the World, which just came out on Switch Fairly recently. But is on Game Pass. So don't have to pay and I have it, so. been I have played yeah. on Game Pass and I'm a fair way in on Game Pass. So I'm kind of like disinclined to pay thirty dollars to start from the beginning again. Yep. Um, that being said, if you haven't played Nobody Saves the World, it came out earlier this year. Super fun game. Um, you you play as a character that can kind of like shape shift into a variety of different um, you know, variety of different kind of uh, forms, essentially. Um, I think you can become a horse. You can be like an archer. You can be like a, you know, a, a, a cat, um, a rat, certainly. And it yeah, leads and to... it's, a, it's like an
1: RPG made by the Drinkbox Studio guys who made Bwaka uh, Mele. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really fun. Got a really good sense of humor about it. Uh, there's a lot of kind of dungeon crawling and stuff like that. Um, give it a look if you haven't. I, I recommend it. It's a fun time. Um, but what else have I been playing beyond that? Um, that's the thing. My like, I'm just so taken up by the long dark these days, Levins. Um, well,
1: maybe if I sing a song, it'll jog your memory. Do it. If I die before I wake, at least in oh, heaven yeah! I can skate. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Um, so I've been Thanks playing. Thanks, OPM. <laughs> I've been playing OPM. No, uh, beginning of this year, and in fact, one of the first small games of the year that really uh, caught my attention and I had a super huge amount of fun with was Oli Oli World. Um, so if you have played Oli uh, Oli 1 or Oli Oli 2, welcome to Hollywood, you kind of have an idea of what this game is. It is a kind of like, what if you combined a platformer with a skate? game um the first two games are obviously notorious for being quite difficult and one thing that i loved about Oli Oli world is they took a look at the game and went you know what maybe it doesn't need to be quite so punishing maybe you don't need to like hit the a button as soon as you land or you'll stack kind of thing like maybe it can be more about exploration and so Oli Oli world has taken the format and sort of First thing they've done is like they have they have absolutely gone ham on the kind of like graphics and design of this game. The world actually feels like a world now as opposed to like a fairly flat kind of um you know environment that you're skating through that just has some decorations on it. Um on top of that, you can now like at certain points in levels you can change the lane you're skating in. So it becomes about like you know, there, there are certain uh, objectives in levels that are like, find this person in the level. And it might be like, you need to kind of work your way through a maze of different lane changes to actually figure out where they are. Um, the, the objectives feel like they've been fairly simplified. It's no longer like, do a 540 backflip impossible at this particular <laughs> section of the map. It's now just like, do an advanced trick in front of this particular part of the map. So it's 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 become less specific and thus given you a little bit more sort of like um, uh, uh, leeway in terms of how you choose to play the game. There's a bit of a narrative going on as well, which is an interesting addition. They didn't have much of a narrative in the first two. You play as a skater who's kind of like... You are rolling with a crew of skaters uh, who you are kind of training to become like this sort of spiritual leader of skaters in the world you're in. And to do that, you need to get the attention of five skate gods who, um, you know, there are five different worlds in the uh, the game that you need to kind of skate your way through. And the last the last mission uh, or the last level that you skate through always winds up with you sort of meeting this skate god. It's a very wholesome um, kind of story, the way it's told. It's, you know, you before and after each level you have dialogues with the people in your skate team uh, or you know you're the crew of skaters you're rolling with and it's always very positive they're like yeah you rule this is going to be great we're all going to have super amounts of fun which is nice it does maybe become a little bit grating after a while particularly when on the intro conversation you have the option to skip the conversation like the second di- the second bit of dialogue will always be you being given the option to be like, "Tell me more about this thing you're talking about," or "Nope, I want to go skate," and then you can just launch straight into the level. But the ending dialogue, you can't skip it, so it's just this slog of like, "Okay, get through this bit of dialogue. I just want to keep skating." Um, I I think like it's it's definitely the first three the first three worlds I played through. I almost hundred percent at all of them by the end of The Last World, it had gone from, hey, let's do all the objectives and everything to, fuck, I just got to make it through this level. Like, <laughs> that's how hard some of the levels become towards the end. But it's cool because it feels like, it almost feels like a roller coaster that you're skating along. Like, once you kind of work out, it's almost endless runnery, like bit trip Runner, in the way you try to remember, like, oh, I got to do this at this certain point, like... You wind up being like, "Oh, I got an ollie now. Oh, I, there's a there's a grind coming up, or I need to smash through a crystal, or all this kind of stuff." Like, the levels are fun, but definitely require a lot of work the more the further you get towards the end. But um, how's the soundtrack? Absolute bangers. Are so they like good. licensed
1: songs, or is it a score?
2: Um, I think they're licensed songs, but they're licensed songs from like actual producers and stuff. So I think a lot of it's been written specifically for the game. There's... Cool. I, I want to say... I want to say... I recognize one of the names on the soundtrack. Um, which I found I the
1: full th- song list. Ah. um, But it doesn't have the names of the, of the artists.
2: Oh, boo. But I want to say like... Oh, I think I found the same one that you did. Um... God damn it looks it. like a
1: bunch of artists that are on Cascade Records.
2: Yeah, that sounds about right. Um,
1: so it's kind of like hip y beats, is it?
2: Yeah, lots of like lo-fi kind of beatsy sort of stuff. Which that's my shit. I like that kind of stuff. So I this is one of those ones where I'm like, I will cop the vinyl of this when it comes out. Unreal. It's it's. Um, it's great when you listen into it, but then it also kind of perfectly just blends into the background when you are concentrating on playing the game, which is always really good.
1: Yeah, here we go. Here's a soundtrack. It's from, from on on wellplayed.com.au. <laughs> I don't I don't know any of these artists. Far Dust, Nick Hitch, um, Midflight, Woodwire, Far Dust, Adam Swim, Cotton Claw.
2: Yeah, I think you're looking at the same thing that I did. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah,
1: who know? Who knows who these fellas are? But um, I'm good. Glad to hear that it, that that's full of bangers.
2: Yeah, really enjoyed it. Looking looking forward to um, looking forward to to yeah, getting my hands on it in some way, shape, or form. But I yeah, I rolled credits on this game. I had so much fun with it.
1: Nice. I uh, I also rolled credits on a game, uh, a game that I'd never heard of. Um, I I, I have. As well as getting addicted to match-three puzzles, uh, my son Archie has also gotten addicted to scrolling the eShop for bargains. And Amazing. we know that that's an equally dangerous game. Um, I have a... Uh, he got one recently called, like, like Turnip Dad or something like that. <laughs> like, Onion Dad or something like that. Um, so I'll have that to review next time. Uh, but he found a game called Down in, in Bermuda. Um, okay. Which... Uh, I'd never heard of. Um it's uh developed and published by Yak and Co. Um and it is a uh, like a puzzle game, basically an adventure puzzle game, um where you are basically helping a, a, a bearded man escape the Bermuda Triangle. Um and you kind of you look down on him from like a bird's eye view. Um, you know, you you play the character of a mouse chara- like as in like a computer, like, a, like an icon, um, and you basically click around these awesome maps. Um <clears throat> You can, you know, zoom in and zoom out and, like, there's a bunch of d- different tasks that you have to do before you complete each map. Um, you, you need to find a bunch of orbs. Um, you need to, like, basically, like like, swipe open little like almost like the room-esque kind of like puzzle mechanisms where like you'll touch a button and then it will open up another control panel and you have to spin a disc and that will um, open up two things where you have to press them in an order and then you have to find different icons around the island and then finally that will open up another thing that gives you an orb you know that that kind of fun stuff it's full of secrets there's like keys you need to find that you can then go back to older maps and unlock things that you weren't able to access before um and uh I think there's like six different maps um, and we had an amazing time playing this one. And then after playing it and being so stoked that I played this unknown game that I only paid like $2.54 on the eShop, I realized it was an Apple arcade game that came out like last year or maybe even the year before that completely missed my radar and that like me and both my kids could have been playing on our iPads and having a great time with a much more suited play style because if I have one criticism of Down in Bermuda, it is like you, like, move from left to right with the D-pad, but then you... I think you use the shoulder buttons to move yourself around the map, and then you move the mouse with the right control stick, and then you... It's like And then you zoom in and out with the bottom um, triggers on the shoulders. It's kind of like... It, every time I picked it up, I was like, oh my god, what am I going to pr- hold and do again? It was not very natural, whereas which, doing it all with your fingers would rock.
2: Which is wild because the Switch has a touch screen.
1: Yeah, but I'm, we were playing it on the TV. Maybe it works right, as a touch okay. screen game. Yeah. Sure. But, you know, I'm playing it. There's three of us playing and We're all going to cr- crowd around the tiny little Switch screen. That's true. Every morning, John. Come on. Uh, uh, but yeah, sorry, Levens. Really, really fun. And it's, you know, I would put it in the same like level of joy that. Um, there is no game gave us not quite as many laughs obviously, but uh, it was a really cute one to play with the kids. Um, So if you have children, this is a killer game to play with them. It is called down in Bermuda. It's probably still on sale. Those games are just eternally on sale.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I am. I am downloading it off Apple arcade currently. There you go. Break the spell, John. You reminded me of its existence.
1: Did you, did you start playing it on Uh, Apple arcade?
2: I did. I think I got three worlds in and that was like all that they'd made by that point in time. But yeah,
1: they were up, up, updating it every now and then. It's completely yeah. finished now. Six, six worlds is all I made.
2: Perfect. Sounds um, like the right time to go back in.
1: A final game um, that uh, I played before we recorded today um, is a game called Glitch Hikers. Um, Glitch Hikers, The Spaces Between. And this was published by Fellow Traveller, who I feel are a publisher that we don't talk about enough on the podcast. I've, they're a big gap in my gaming uh, back catalogue. Um, I know you've played Paradise Killer, which I guess is their best-known game. Ooh, but love that um, game. Lo- last month they announced that a bunch of their games are coming to Game Pass. Um, Paradise Killer and Kraken Academy are two games that are already on there now, and coming up very soon are Beacon Pines and Citizen Sleeper, which are two of my more anticipated games uh, of the year. Um, they're they're going to be day one on on Game Pass too, which is awesome. Hell yes! Oh, they also um, did
2: Genesis Noir.
1: Yes, they're Genesis Moir, which you loved last and year, and in
2: and in other waters, man, these are no longer home. Yeah, damn it, these guys are these guys put out quality.
1: Yeah, and so one of their games is Neo Cab, which is a game where you play a cab driver, and uh, I guess like the bulk of the game's narrative is you just having discussions with your passengers, um, and the, you know the, the, I think almost the, the big thing shared about fellow traveler games is that they are first and foremost narrative, yeah, narrative driven games that. Um, Uh, That, you know, use different Storytelling methods, gameplay mechanics To tell their story I just realised another game that they're putting out this year um, Is called um, After Love EP Which has an amazing art style Looking forward to that one too Um, And The Pale Beyond, too. Killer art style on that, too. They've got some great games coming out this year. But anyway, Neocab was uh, a game they published where you played a taxi driver, um, talking to their passengers and getting a story out of that. Um, Glitch Hikers...
2: It was, was like, one of two taxi driver games released that year. From Yeah,
1: totally. We loved taxis back then. Yeah. Um, What were we thinking? It was a pre-COVID time. Um, But, yeah, Glitch Hikers is, is a game that originally came out, I think, like, like seven or eight years ago, it was a Steam release only, and it is not so much a game, more a I don't know how how, how would you it's, it's an a experience. Kind of find your own game in this. There is no right or wrong way to experience uh, Glitch Hikers. Um, so basically, like you open it's a, it's a first person game. You, you 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 start and there's like a convenience store directly in front of you. Um, and then there is a uh, a car to the right and then around the corner from there is a train track and so you can first I walk to the convenience store and the convenience store I walked in the convenience store and there's a convenience store clerk and you can have a long conversation with them and there's lots of different paths of conversation you can have um, and you can always go back to the conversation and choose all the different paths and you just basically hang out in the convenience store and look at items while there's like a kind of it's, it's, it's a game about thinking and, and, and <laughs> be, being in the moment and having these weird conversations and pondering life as you as you experience these uh, spaces between places um, so I went outside and got in the car And you start driving It's night time um, It's very like uh, Like Not pixels What's the um, po- Polygonal Very like right. Simple poly- sure. Polygonal artwork um, and so it's like this purple sky with the moon up in the sky and like shadowy trees at the side, you're driving past them. Um, you can make your car go faster, but it doesn't really do anything. And there's street signs that show up every now and then, like these, there's destinations you're about to come across and there's uh there's a radio. And every now and then like the radio host will talk to you, like, you know, tell you like, you know, some things to think about as you're driving and pond things to ponder. And then we, we hear a couple of like, you know, cool kind of lo-fi hip hop beats over the stereo. And then, I just get this like, huh, is that a passenger? And you look over to the right and sure enough, there is a weird little alien sitting in the passenger seat and you have a conversation with them about like their existence, your existence, your job, their role in society. And then they go, huh, I never thought of it like that. And then they get out of, well, you don't even see them get out of the car. They just like fucking yeet out of your car somehow. <laughs> um, and uh, you keep driving and then suddenly a little bit later, someone yeets back in. And another cool-looking alien will have another existential uh, crisis in your cab that you have to talk them out of or talk them further into. Uh, it's up to you. <laughs> um, I ended my journey in the car, and then I got on a train. And it's a long train journey. I don't think you ever arrive at your destination because this game is all about like, you know, the space in between the place. It's and not about so... the destination. Exactly. It's the journey. Um, and so you you have a conversation with all the other people having a journey on the train, um, and uh, I think this game is really cool, and I'm really happy it exists. I could not be further from the target audience.
2: I was <laughs> I was gonna say as you explained it, I was like, why are you playing this, Levin's?
1: Well, I, I like the aesthetic of it a lot. Okay, um, but yeah, like. A bunch of like ponderous uh, dialogue options is yeah like my not not why I play games. I, I, if if it was weirder, I think I would really enjoy it. Like if it was like, you know, as we mentioned Aquatine um, at the start of the show, if it was far more twelve ounce mouse levels of uh, esotericness, uh, I would be way more into it. Um, you know, borderline on like hysterical humor. Um, but this is like a pretty straight game in terms of humor. Um, yeah, but but you know, I don't know. I, I think it's definitely something that a lot of people would get an awesome experience out of. Um, it's out on Switch now. I think it's like around the ten ten dollar mark. Glitch okay. Hikers, published by Fellow Traveler. Um, if if what I've said to you sounds cool, um, definitely check it out. Or maybe even check out. I, I know a bunch of like streamers have done like Let's Plays of, of their time with this, and maybe that's you know a good way to kind of get a better idea of what this game is about than me. Me talking about it, but uh, yeah, that's Glitch Hikers. Uh, not the best uh, first example of a, of a fellow traveler game for me to check out, but as I mentioned, there are a ton of them out there, and a lot of them are on Game Pass for you to check out for for the price of what it costs to pay Game Pass every month.
2: You, I've I've said it a number of times before, Levins. Paradise Killer, baby. So yeah, I good. I know that, that's the one, isn't it? So yeah. freaking good. Um, um, but of course, yeah, Citizen Sleeper is like a week away or something
1: Mm -hmm. pretty soon. Yeah.
2: I want to say I'm just, I've just been looking at like what's coming up soon. Um, just thinking about, you know, things to play. One of my favorite things to think about. Mm -hmm. And, um, you
1: could be thinking about that while playing, um, glitch hikers. This is true. Spaces between.
2: It sounds like it gives a lot of room for thought that game. Um, I think on my coming up next, I mean, obviously there's, there's Trek to Yomi coming up soon. I really want to circle back and play Norco, which is like a point-and-click adventure-style game. Do you remember that ice been, cream? That's been getting... I think it's an ice cream maker in Australia. Okay. Um, but it's been getting, like, absolutely fantastic reviews. Um, people, people have been saying, like... Th- it's kind of, like, in terms of tone, it's similar a little bit to um, uh, uh, Kentucky Route Zero. And right. it's like telling telling a very sort of, you know, it's, it's an exploration of place and self, essentially. I played the demo during like Steam Next Fest or something and was like, fuck, this is going to be really special. Looking forward to it. Uh, so full game's out now. I'm going to try, fit that under my belt. Obviously, there's Trek to Yomi coming up, Citizen Sleeper, uh, Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, as I said. Rogue Legacy 2 is releasing soon. Um, which you know, I got very addicted to Rogue Legacy while my wife was in labor. Because, <laughs> like I said, I'm a terrible person that plays games while she's busy doing things. Um, Sultan Sacrifice is coming up uh, on the 10th of May. Sneak to Sultan Sanctuary. Sultan Sanctuary, which um, you know is a like a, a side-scrolling. You know, a lot of people kind of say it's a Souls-like, which I tend to agree. Uh, you know, very difficult combat and very kind of dire tone to the game. I wound up really enjoying Salt and Sanctuary, so I'm looking forward to see what they do with Salt and Sacrifice. Uh, any anything I haven't named that's on your uh, on your well on your radar? W- while you were
1: talking, I googled Norco Ice Cream and uh, found out that they are a Lismore based um, ice cream maker. There and, you go. Well, we have had a lot of flooding in Australia this year, and uh, their ice cream factory was smashed by floods. Jesus. And now I'm really sad because. Oh. 200,000 litres of milk had to be dumped from their factories and lots of livestock were lost.
2: Huh. Must, must not <laughs> make joke about crying over the milk.
1: Yeah, you shouldn't do that anyway. That's yeah, why. I know. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. Ooh. We've, it's, it's not been fun in Australia the last couple of months. Um, anyway. It, started, it
1: literally just started raining where I yeah. am right now too, again.
2: We've actually for for our overseas listeners, New South Wales, the state that we live in has had more rain in the first 3 months of the year than our yearly average essentially. We've had a year's worth of rain in 3 months.
1: Yeah, it's been fucking shit.
2: <laughs> Just to give you an idea of what it's been like over here. Yeah. Um have you have you had any damp problems in your house?
1: <clears throat> um I I had my um my 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 office where I'm at we um like resealed like moments before the like 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 the week before the insane rain happened, right. which I just like i can't believe I had the foresight to get on top of that for the first that's, time in my life and uh, yeah
2: yeah, that's very lucky there's so many stories of people who where it's like, yeah, we have black mold throughout our entire house now because it rained for two weeks straight and nothing dried oh that's fucked we've had to throw out like. We keep finding bits of Olive's clothing that it's like, oh shit, this has mold in it now. We need to get rid of this. Great. <laughs> it's it's been yeah, it sucks. Um, but yeah, I've uh, I'm looking forward to see what the next few months bring for gaming.
1: Yeah, I'm I mean I'm gonna try and get back to Tunic and Fernax and then uh, Trek to Yomi. Um, and uh yeah, the a bunch of those uh fellow traveler games that I'm excited about, Beacon Pine, Slitters and Sleeper and the that other cool look, what's, cool what's
2: Beacon Pines again?
1: It's like a cute animal animal adventure game.
2: But isn't there like a kind of... Horror. Mis- Mystery slash horror element to it? Yes, definitely. yeah. Hell the, yeah. The, again,
1: the artwork looks fucking awesome.
2: That sounds great. I'm into it. And we've got um, Summer Game Fest coming up. Yeah. E3 canned once again, but Jeff Keighley going strong with Summer Game Fest... Looking forward to getting into so many trailers.
1: When's Card Shark out? That was a devolver game I was very excited about too.
2: Card Shark, I wanna say that soon. Cause I played the demo for that recently as well. Card Shark video game release date. Oh, it's just got twenty twenty two.
1: And then there's that um bear and breakfast game where you like Oh yeah. Op- you're a bear that running one. running a bed and breakfast.
2: <laughs> that Sorry one I'm that. Ex- that one I'm excited about as well. That's gonna be really fun. Um I like, I like when they do those, like, slice of lifestyle games, but there's a bit of narrative structure to it.
1: Yeah, I think Fellow Traveller specialise in that kind of stuff too. Not that, not that they're doing Bear and Breakfast, but just, you know, bring it back to that.
2: Sure, definitely. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah, fuck, no release date for Card Shark yet. Just 2022. But based on what I played during the demo, I reckon it will come out this year.
1: Fantastic. Well, yeah. plenty of good games coming out this year, and hopefully you'll see us again very soon to talk about
2: them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, always, always love to record, Levin's.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening. Um, you can find us uh, on Twitter at all the small game on Facebook at wait Facebook Facebook dot yeah all the small games. You know what? Find us individually. Uh, I've changed my my online details. That was a COVID. Uh, COVID incident, I, I had a, a COVID crisis and decided it was time to change my online identity. So I'm no longer at LevDog, I am at LevensOnline on Twitter, Instagram, and another horrible thing I did during COVID, I started a TikTok.
2: <laughs> that, um, that that giant Sour Skittles TikTok was pretty good. Thanks,
1: man. I kept like thinking the, of... The, those are the nine words that everyone wants to hear.
2: I, I kept thinking of... Um... It was the modern equivalent of... It's Soylent Green! People are so... Soylent Green is people!
1: Giant Mentos are just... No, Giant Giant Skittles are just Mentos.
2: Giant Sour Skittles are just Mentos! Yeah, definitely. And uh, if you want to check out my online life, um, you can go to my Twitter, where I just make dumb jokes, essentially. That's literally my wheelhouse in Twitter. Or you can see delightful photos of my beautiful daughter... On Instagram, on both of those, at 16tacos. Happy birthday, Olive. One TACOS. year, you made it. In, in, in eight days, it will have been a year with my daughter. I cannot believe it.
1: What a ride. Um, uh, you can hear me talk about video games every week on my podcast, Hey Fam. And you can hear John and I talk about video games uh, every other month on our, our Good Friends uh, podcast over at Thumbcramps, which is on the SansPants Radio Network, which you can find at sandspantsradio.com. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you at some point.
2: At some point, we will we'll shadow drop the next one as well.
1: Oh, and if you feel like uh, listening to a bunch of extra stuff, obviously there's a there's a ton of episodes in the uh, in the old uh, iTunes vault. But we have a couple couple of bone a couple of hours, well several. Maybe like 15 hours of bonus content, which you can find out on Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash all the small games. $5 gets you access to all of it. And you can just make a one-time payment, download all the shit, and then fuck off. Uh, We appreciate every little buck that you kick our way.
2: Yeah. Love it. Thanks, guys. So long. All right. Bye. Woo.